0: All right, Colin. How are you doing today? I've been better, Harry. My internet is the <laughs> bane of my existence. So uh other we than that, are, great.
1: We are powering through some A V issues today with uh with you. I'm gonna blame you, but you I'm not gonna blame you. I'm gonna blame your internet. How about that? Yeah, let's blame the thing that can't defend itself. That seems
0: <laughs> perfectly reasonable to me. Uh,
1: but anyways, we've got uh no guests today. So we've got a fun uh episode planned.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. It's uh it's going to be nice at least for us to hear our own voices. I don't know about what the guests will think or the uh all the audience will think, but uh we're going to talk a little bit and I'm excited to ask you a little bit about what you've been up to. Yeah,
1: so I think we're going to our famed uh what what do we call this segment? What have you been up to in the world of angel investing lately? It's a little bit of a long name, but yeah. Uh yeah, just what have you been doing
0: this week in angel investing? Uh but let's talk about it. I I know you have some exciting fun
1: news that you maybe want to share. Did you say fun or fund? Fund
0: news that fund you might news. want to share. Yeah.
1: Uh, so I, I don't know when we're going to publish this episode and I haven't really announced it yet, but I do have a, what I'm calling a mini fund that I'm launching. So I've got one LP, so it's a $500,000 Fund that I'm going to be investing out of for the next year or two, 25k angel checks, and uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of the gist of it. So, kind of what I've been doing the past three or four years, but bigger and better checks, and hopefully better companies too. <laughs> nice. No, and that makes a lot of sense. It's nice
0: to have some some dry powder to go out there and really help the companies you're interested in. So, is there, a, you know, just for the audience and anyone that or startups that might be uh, interested in now pitching <laughs> Harry with the uh, the dry powder. Uh, yeah. Where are you focused on? What can you invest in? You know, what yeah. stage? What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, that's why I'm almost a little bit scared to announce the fund since I'll get probably all of this... Kind of junky inbound from people raising money who you know have never don't care about me or don't really know about me and especially too I mean this is you know I I mean as the the name of this podcast might imply you know I'm a wannabe angel right and so this isn't my full time job and so the the sort of thesis of my fund is honestly to just kind of keep doing more of what I've been doing over the past three four years in the angel world and I think as I've kind of hinted at here and there and as I've sort of shared online I, I really like angel investing and I love the process and. You know, just everything about it, but I don't know that I make enough money to do it. And so this opportunity sort of fell in my lap and it was a little bit kind of too good to be true or, you know, hard to say no to. And so it is, you know, one LP, $500,000 fund. I, put up 10% of each deal. So I guess you would say the GP commit in this case is basically 10%. So, you know, if we invest 25K into a new company, I'll put 2.5K into that deal and we do it as in the form of a syndicate. So if we do it on Sidecar, for example... Um, that's 27.5 K total. They charge four four 4.5 K in fees. So the actual investment that the company would receive is $23,000 in the form of a syndicate. And then of course, if there's any other small checks that I could add on easily, either, you know, kind of running a little mini syndicate for the founder, if they have people or if I have people in my network, I can kind of go through that process. And The companies that I'm looking for are really kind of what I've been doing. Uh, So I would say really, you know, I call it anything that moves, rideshare, mobility, gig economy, a little bit of food tech, uh, logistics, transportation, anything in that ballpark, which I'm sort of, you know, well known for and I've been spending the past 10 years uh, in. And then also, I think the other area is uh, my network. I think one thing that I've kind of discovered over the past couple of years is, you know, I've met a lot of smart people, especially folks, you know, they were early at Uber and early at Lyft and Bird and all of these different companies. And, you know, I've kind of seen them in action. And so, you know, if they're starting a company in a field that I know nothing about, I would still gladly invest in them because I know something about them that, you know, I think is like unseen to the public. Like I've seen them in action basically, or I've worked with them personally. So that's kind of the, the gist of the fund got it and if people want
0: to tag along in the syndicate what's the what's the best way to do that
1: um, I don't know yet, to be honest. Uh, I would say if there is interest, uh, email me and we can uh, figure it out. But uh, that's sort of a nice part in which I'm sure we're going to, I'm going to ask you a bit about when we talk about your syndicate. But, you know, one of the things I hate about syndicating deals is, you know, kind of, you got to work to get the allocation and then you have to sort of make sure that you have soft circled and lined up some LPs. And it's just like a lot of like bullshit and like back and forth that I don't personally enjoy. And so I feel like this kind of eliminates a lot of that, right? It's like, hey, if I see a company and I know someone's a good fit for it, it's like, Hey, hop on. I'm not trying to sell anyone anything. So I'm like kind of still trying to figure out the best way, but that's kind of the nice thing is that, you know, the check size is enough that it's meaningful. And, you know, if I can add people on easily in the future, I will, but it's not really my top uh, priority at this moment.
0: Nice. Well, and do you think, you know, companies, how you interact with them, how you go about getting... The deal, any of that? Do you think that's any of that's going to change from your current operational standard?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely. You know, I've sort of obviously mentioned it to quite a few people that oh, I've got this you know new five hundred thousand dollar mini fund, which is obviously small in the world of VC and funds, but I mean, it's a lot for me personally. And you know, I mean, it sounds you know it's not nothing, right? Twenty five thousand dollar check, and so I definitely, you know, I mean, I know companies that I've already worked with or others, you know, I mentioned like, oh, hey, this might be more interesting to you. You know, like in the past, I think most of my value was as, you know, sort of a small check, provide a lot of help kind of guy, right? And now I'm kind of hoping that it can be provide a lot of help and provide some cash too, right? Like a 25K check is actually meaningful. And so I kind of need to figure out the best way to approach it. I think definitely at the start, um, it's going to be kind of doing what I've been doing, um, you know, sort of looking for good companies. And, you know, I don't really take cold pitches. uh, But, you know, companies that I meet through my conference or through my podcast or through my business or get intro to and sort of see what they're up to. But it is a little it always is a little tricky for me. It's like I meet a company. And, you know, like, oh, I met this new rideshare company. And they were thinking, you know, oh, this is something I could invest in. Maybe like, I almost feel like, man, these guys should be paying me if you're starting a new rideshare company, like, on the rideshare guide, like, this is right up my alley right like maybe it's some combo of advisor and investors so i'm still sort of navigating all that but it is funny when you know you have certain situations where you might give other people money to kind of do the same job and then another company they might give you money and then or equity and then another one might actually advertise with our business so i'm kind of navigating all that but that's also what i think uh, makes it very fun so can we call you a vc now is that what you are? uh No, I I, I kind of prefer wannabe angel. So I'm going to, I think I've been introducing myself when I'm ever at a VC party or anything like that. And people ask me if I'm an investor. I say, no, I'm a wannabe. And it, it usually gets a chuckle, but I think it's also kind of true. So that's kind of the the name I'm going to stick with for now. Nice.
0: Well, that's exciting. And you know, I think what I'm excited for you to do is be able to, like, like you said, do more meaningful checks into the businesses that you care about uh, and really help them. I think like Jack said, it's like, you know, once you start going 25k and up, you can meaningfully start paying for salary of a person, things like that. They're really impactful for a, a business. So
1: yeah. That's awesome. And I think the other thing too that I'm looking at is, you know, I've got one LP, and I'll give a shout out to Bloomberg Beta since they were basically the ones, you yeah. know, they're my one LP. And um, you know, so I definitely feel a higher level of responsibility now that I'm investing other people's money. And so I still kind of want to balance like just because it's someone else's money. I don't want to invest completely different. But, you know, when you're a steward of someone else's money, I, I think it does make you think twice, you know, about every investment or, you know, kind of the goals that you have in mind. And so, yeah, I'm kind of uh, uh, excited and you know looking forward to figuring that out. And you, have you made your first investment yet? I have not made my first investment, but uh gotten close on a few. And I think I'm looking at a couple right now that are very, uh, I would say one is very close and another is kind of still not a no yet. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> Optionality, waiting to see. Yeah. Uh, well, you'll have to update us on your first investment. We'll
0: have to have a celebration when it goes out. Definitely,
1: definitely. Uh, So yeah, uh, I'll I'll keep everyone posted and uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But uh, I know that you've been syndicating a lot of deals. You had a cool post on the Sidecar blog, speaking of Sidecar. And let me see, the title was building a 200 plus investor syndicate in six months. And I think as this post mentions, as you wrote, like you and I have syndicated a deal before and you are much better than, me at syndicating (laughs) deals, getting money from your network. And I'll also say, I think you have a bigger, better network than me. So maybe that's implied, but, um, you know, I've got some people in there and so, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, your syndicate. I mean, what do you, what do you tell people? Do you tell people you have a syndicate or how do you, uh, kind of pitch yourself in in that realm? Yeah, I didn't start saying I had a syndicate because I, I really, the way I
0: started was I was helping a company that I really liked and was like, well, maybe I can participate in the economics of the round somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone told me, hey, you could do a syndicate. And so I was like, oh, let's go check this out. And so that's kind of really what it came down to. is like, I wanted to help this company. It was introducing them to great VCs and I want to participate. So I basically figured out the most cost efficient way to uh, set up a syndicate that kind of fit within my parameters and that ended up being Sidecar. Um, and they've been really great ever since. And I went out and just was all of a sudden was like, okay, I got this link to raise some money in an allocation. I better go figure out who can help me put some money in because I was putting money in. And then, so I just basically started with my closest network of friends um, and former colleagues and things like that and just pushed it out to them. Hey, are you interested? And surprisingly-
1: So you uh, sent them an email like, hey, here's a deal I'm looking at, et cetera. It was really more like I texted them and was like- Got it. So close, close friends. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: But you know, honestly, that's like, a lot of the way I communicate with people is through text message, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these contexts. But yes, I, I normally send out uh, with the syndicate a an email announcing the deal, first call, kind of an update, and then a last call is usually the kind of the, the way I handle Got that.
1: And so uh, your syndicate, yeah. this is your, this is Yonder Ventures, is that what you mm-hmm. call it? Cool. Yeah. And... And I guess tactically, so you have an email list of, it sounds like at least 200 people that you've kind of added, you know, casually over time, or I'm, I'm guessing, you know, have told you that they want to invest or something like that.
0: Yeah. So at first it was, you know, I texted the peripheral group of people and then I just went went through my Rolodex and was like, okay, here are people I know that angel invests. Let's read outreach to them, see what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Most people want to do it. And then I publicly announced it and a bunch of people signed up. And then we co-syndicated, which brought some other people in. And then really with every deal, you know, one of the things I've always thought about was like, well, there's a a type of person that is usually good to invest in this type of business, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether, uh, you know, let's say it's a logistics business, you go find people in logistics uh, and and that are doing angel investment and you ask them, hey, are you interested? And so that's kind of what I've been doing and kind of rounding out the syndicate with every kind of deal I do is finding area experts Uh,
1: And it is a onesie, twosie type situation, but you build some really high quality people that way. Got it. So let's say you had a logistics company, you met the founder, you got an allocation and you would kind of float it to one or two or three people that are in your network who are in the logistics space who do angel investing and kind of use them as sort of a soft circle. I guess you would say like, hey, yeah, I can do this syndicate because I think I have a few people. Is that sort of how the logistics work? Yeah. Typically
0: I try to like get a sense. Is this doable from some mm-hmm. LPs that are pretty reliable? Uh, coming up do most you do deals that and say, before
1: hey, asking the founder? Like how do you chicken an egg? Uh, you know, cause obviously if you ask a founder for an allocation and then you can't fill it, kind of look like an idiot, right? <laughs> yeah. So anything that's on the cusp and I can go into what like is a cusp deal. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: anything that's on the cusp, I tend to go out and just canvas a bit first to see like, Hey, is this going to be it. doable?
1: If it's a deal where, so if you're allocate, if they're allocate, if you getting an allocation is on the cusp, then you sort of go canvas and see if there's a few LPs who might be interested in joining you.
0: Yeah, well, so think about it this way: like, so most deals have for syndication have a few qualities that you probably want to like solve for. One, you know, u- unlike conviction investing where you control it's like your check kind of like what you're seeing now where it's your check you get to decide mm. you get to do whatever you want like you're kind of fine going in early and you know being the strength whereas with uh, syndicates you know you're almost having to sell the company just as much as the founder is to other yeah. people right and so what really helps in those situations is do they have a great lead investor right, right. like i mean that uh, the number one thing uh whether you, know. you like it or not for syndicates is do they have a great lead two is it in a good space three do they have good revenue and unit economics right and so what ends yeah. up happening is that early stage deals pre-revenue and things like that actually tend to be harder to fund mm. uh through a syndicate uh maybe there's people out there that you know like have figured that out but what i've seen is that it's just harder without traction mm-hmm. uh and harder for the gp to go sell it yeah. so if if you only have one of those things you know that's true and like let's say it's like not the lead investor being great that's when I got to go canvas and see, like, can I get some traction?
1: Does this hit home within my audience? So if they've got a good lead investor, that kind of obviously signals to other people that like, hey, this company is legit. They've got some, you know, social proof or validation. And I think especially with the syndicate model, that lead investor is important. You know, I know my friends who run the Uber syndicate, Uh, I'll give Amr and William a shout out because, you know, I think that's one of the big things they say. You know, they've got a bunch of folks, you know, in their network work and it's like they're not professional investors and so you know they trust the recommendations that are being brought but it's like they want to see some other big names because it's like this is something oh cool company I maybe i can help yeah there's legit money involved let me throw some money of my own my own in so it does seem like that good lead investor is like a very important component of syndicating a deal successfully it's very helpful and, and mostly because you think about it this way you very helpful the, yeah that's a good way yeah. to put it you, you <laughs> write the, the deal memo
0: yeah you're writing a deal memo for all, all of these right to basically yeah. convince or you know at least give everyone the most information possible in context of why you want to syndicate this to these yeah. LPs and that's basically your document going out trying to convince people right and if you're not going to talk to every single LP you know you want as many proof points that make it mm-hmm. easy for them to make a decision which of which a great lead investor you know is critical so give you an example so I've done, I think six, seven, eight. I don't know, somewhere in there. it's going up. Uh, and deals. And how many have you done? I th- I losing count now. I think
1: finished, okay, ballpark six or
0: seven. But there's like nine in motion. You know, like okay. nine. Total a few more in motion. Motion, yeah. Um, and and so the thing is that you know the deals that you know I've been really into and like don't necessarily always have the like the most named um, yeah. investors on them. But the most recently I did a deal that uh, craft ended up leading and that deal filled in like literally 12 hours. Yeah. Like, like, like it just was, it was easy. Right. Yeah. And, um, and that tells you a lot about the brand name, you know, for sure. impact. There.
1: Well, and, and I think the the other thing that it makes me think of is that like, for those of us that are like, you know, I'm, down here on the syndicate journey, you know, and you're kind of a little bit, maybe a bit above me and where you really want to go is like up at the top where like, Hey, if Colin, if yonder ventures is in on this deal, that's the signal, right? I think that's kind of, I don't know if that's your goal, but I imagine that if you can get to that point where you're at least in the ballpark where like people want to invest. I mean, we had Kirk, uh, we met on our podcast and he basically said like, Hey, I invested in every single deal that Naval did as an angel. And, you know, I'll be honest, I don't think you or I are going to be Naval anytime. soon but if you can get in that ballpark right where like people trust you and they will invest alongside you almost blind faith i mean that makes it a lot easier too to start syndicating these deals
0: yeah i think it takes time track
1: record all of it yeah right so cool I, yeah Well, I think uh, we'll definitely, you know, I kind of wanted to tease this uh, syndicate Mm -hmm. idea and, you know, my fund. I'm sure we can dig into these in the future, but I think that's a sort of a good tease for now. And uh, before we let the audience go, I know we've got a couple uh, trending Twitter threads uh, before we leave. So I'll go ahead for those that are watching uh, live or watching on YouTube. I'll share my screen and you can read off this first tweet from uh, Mark Byrne, if that sounds good. Let's do it. All right,
0: let's do it. Here's the tweet. Now that I've closed my series A, I just want to say that 26 of the 34 funds I pitched gave me some variation of keep us in the loop when you find a lead. And only seven had the stones to say no. Much respect for the no's. Nothing but contempt for the keep us in the loop cohort all right and then he subtweeted this i do not keep any of them in the loop figure out how to make a decision and stand behind
1: it you disgusting little monster babies uh yeah there was like it was pretty (laughs) spicy but also like i couldn't quite tell like i don't know mark i'm gonna give him a follow though for this tweet for sure it looks like he's now making sustainable liquor at good liquor works we make good vodka a climate positive spirit distilled from discarded coffee fruit oh that sounds pretty cool uh he's got a cool startup cool company obviously he's doing well they just raised their series a in this climate but uh, i feel like he's probably personality wise like kind of a jokester but also serious not serious but like he's like jokester but you know like hey guys what the fuck <laughs> kind,
0: of, kind yeah. of tweet,
1: right what do you think
0: yeah so i understand where he's coming from but i think you know it really doesn't kind of come from a place of understanding of how vcs are thinking about it right they're thinking a lot about optionality, right? They, they're they like, well, if this ends up getting a lead and I then can support it, of course I'll do it. Right. And so that's like an optionality. It's like he, you know, for him, it's like a yes or a no, you believe in me or you don't. Yeah. And I think that's like the wrong dichotomy for founders to think about this problem. Mm-hmm. It's more of when or not yet, right? Like it's a continuum and that you know, even in my experience with startups, we've, uh, you know, companies I worked at, we had investors say no earlier stage and then come in later and pay a markup. Yeah. Because they got the traction. They liked the economics, but, you know, just things were in the right place such that they wanted to invest. And so I just don't think it's as, as cut and dry as you're either either. with me or you're not. You know,
1: I just don't think yeah. that's a good way to go through life. I think think that's a good summary. I I think I disagree with this tweet in that it, it, you know, I think you and I are on the same page. It's not a binary situation where, yeah, with me or against me. Because I mean, even the example you just shared with the syndicate, right? Yeah, if Craft Ventures is leading, it's like, wow, everyone knows Craft and knows the brand, and they're going to invest in that deal. Um, It makes it a hotter deal. And I feel like I've experienced this with founders too in the mobility space. Or like, oh, if you know, Rachel Holt's fund, Construct Capital is going to be in. Like yeah, we're in too. I'm like, well, yeah, no shit. If like one of the top mobility funds is in, then you know, like, makes it a lot easier. And you know, they're a big check, so I kind of get the sentiment. I'm just trying to think about like. In reality, right from that, you know, let's say I'm one of these VCs. I'm one of these 26 that said, keep us in the loop when you find a lead. Um, I'm trying to think about like, like, I kind of get it that, you know, there's a reply here from Glenn Rockman. He said, sometimes a VC is legit not in a position to lead around and is legit interested in being posted on participation opportunities when a lead emerges, right? I mean, if this is a 10 or 20 million dollar round right like i kind of get that like maybe they're not a lead maybe they're not prepared to take a board seat or whatever and you know you're kind of agreeing you know at a series a level like you're agreeing to come on with a bunch of other investors so it's like you want to make sure that they're a good group that you get along with them like probably wouldn't be a good idea to like say yes to investing and then it's like some random guy or girl or fun comes in and you hate them or you you know what i mean something like that yeah
0: i just think you know some like like Glenn's saying, some funds are set up to be follow-on funds, right? Part of their yeah. investment thesis is you need mm. a, name, a name fund to be the lead, and yeah. that's an investment strategy. And I get his sentiment of like, yeah, they should be just be LPs, and I just don't think it's quite as cut and dry as that. Um, yeah. But the, you know, like the, you know, there's plenty of funds that are smaller funds that, like you said, maybe invest in Series A and B stage where they can't lead around, like they yeah. just
1: they're not going to write a check large enough. And actually, I Evening. feel like some of the funds that I've worked with literally in their description or what they'll tell me is like, we don't lead, you know what I mean? So I think maybe that's the other key thing. If they kind of set the, uh, that might be a good takeaway. If like you set the expectations up front, like, Hey, we don't lead series A, but you know, if there's a strong investor or whatever your kind of expectations are, maybe there's uh, you know, I mean, to me, I'm always big on like, what are the expectations so that no one goes into it? You know, Mark maybe goes into it thinking these guys might lead. And then they're like, Oh no, we don't even lead in the first place. Right. It's like, all right, well, I just wasted my time if I'm looking for a lead.
0: Yeah. You know, one gripe I had on this is that with uh, with a startup recently, I said, hey, I'm not going to invest. I'm going to pass. And I offered to make introductions for them. And they said, no, we don't, we don't want you to make any introductions because it's a bad signal that you passed. And I was like, well maybe maybe not like what why is it a bad signal i'm still happy to help you and make introductions i think like, it for depends
1: me, on the reason why you pass right yeah. If this is a marketplace company and you're a marketplace investor and you passed, then i kind of agree with the founder i'd be like dude i don't want to call it telling other investors like hey i passed um you know on this but maybe it's good for you if it's like out of your domain oh. that might make more sense to me but I still don't think that misses the
0: context of maybe they have minimum that you can't like wasn't right or they yeah. had you know, the valuation was too high or things like that. I mean, there's plenty of situations where it's just mechanically is not a good deal to invest in. But I love the yeah. business of the company and I'm not going to forego my common sense about, you know, low cost basis yeah. to make an investment. And if they don't want, you know, and the founder doesn't want to come down on valuation or the amount they want to raise or whatever it may yeah. be then i don't think me passing is a, you know saying that it's a bad investment like the company is bad it's just saying at those terms this is not an investment i would make
1: yeah so well this uh this was a good uh good start i like uh, i like these spicy takes mark and yeah. i mean there's a reason why we call it a trending twitter threads right so uh, the second one that we've got this week i think is kind of cool too and it sounds like it's from uh, both of our friends so you know noah kagan i not as well as you probably do, but I uh, I know him through
0: uh, our my friend and our kids go to school together. So that's how I know. know. Cool.
1: Well, he he has a cool podcast and I think he's been actually uh, doing a lot on YouTube also lately over the past year or two, some really high production videos, entrepreneur and, you know, investing and startups and, you know, a little bit of everything. But uh, actually I I went on his podcast a few years ago and out of all the media I've ever done for the Rideshare guy, probably got the most people reaching out to me saying they heard me on Noah's podcast than anything else, mainstream, NPR, Wired, you know, any other podcast. Podcast I've ever done, so he's got a good following. And, uh, anyways, his tweet was: "I have no idea why anyone wants to be employee one hundred fifty thousand at Google when they can have massive impact, serious learning, and great upside at a startup." Three point eight million views on this tweet. Wow, that's kind of a lot. What do you think, Colin?
0: Yeah, I I mean, look, this has been my career in a nutshell. I, Mm -hmm. I got, I when I got into tech, I went into a horizontal marketplace. And learned a lot. It was like more middle stage, I would say, like Series B-ish area. Uh, And then I went to a large tech company and immediately was kind of like, uh, yeah, this is great to see how, like what success and the final end product looks like. Mm -hmm. But man, is this not the phase that I want to be at for building a company. And so after that, I went and became a third, like third employee at a company. And yeah, that was like hard work and everything. But man, that was... Uh, like probably the most rewarding experiences in my life and where I learned yeah. the most. It was like a MBA in two years, basically, you know,
1: uh, or less. So the most liked reply was from Michelle Tandler. And she says, because you can make $500,000 a year at age 28, and uh noah says okay quitting app sumo and dusting off my resume um i mean kind of true right if you're uh you know the software engineer or someone you know kind of doing well at one of these uh companies i mean that's kind of the reason to do google right
0: yeah Make i mean a lot of money
1: I mean, not have to work funny. that hard
0: it's funny because noah did work at facebook yeah at some he point. was what <laughs> I think famously fired or whatever the story uh, is right yeah but you know i think this is like
1: A low percentage of people.
0: I think that's the headline, but not actually the reality for most people. uh, Mm, Gotcha.
1: I mean, I guess if you can... I mean, it's really... Software engineer, right? That's a $500,000 a year at age 28 kind of job at Meta, Google, etc. I mean, there aren't a ton of other roles where, you know, you can make that much money. I think you can still do well, make two, three hundred thousand bucks uh, as, you know, product manager, marketing, whatever, at a lot of these uh, bigger, later stage companies. But it's really the software engineers, right? Where you start getting the big bucks at young age if you're not, you know, an executive.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it misses the point, though. Massive impact serious learning, you know, like I, yes, you're going to probably learn some things, but you're also going to get dictated to what you're going to do. Right. Like you're a much, you know, a smaller, you know, like a, a cog and a much larger uh, yeah. picture. So
1: So, I mean, I think it's kind of a function of personality type too, right? Like I have friends who are founders, who are operators, who are builders. I have a friend who was at Lyft and then Uber and then Bird as an exec. And, you know, he ended up founding a startup. And I remember when he was thinking about what he was going to do next, he was like, oh, should I go into VC or go work at Google? And I'm like, I feel like that's not your personality. You know what I mean? Like, that's like more my personality, (laughs) you know, like I like high leverage, you know, not grinding out 60, 80, 90, you know. I did that when i was starting my business but now i'm kind of over that and i feel like it's like you kind of know the people who are startup people who are builders and you know they don't get the same like you could give them 500 to go work at google but like you know they'd probably rather have not have that job right
0: yeah i feel like i always self-sabotage myself in those types of interviews so like i get to the point get through it and then i'm like i don't want to do that like that's not me so i i totally get that like i I like my hands dirty personally, just like the zero to one phase is just that it gives yeah. me psychological dividends. So
1: yeah. Yeah. I like this reply here from Mihailo Bajelic. He says, being a founder is not for everyone. It's actually not for most of the people. People generally have way happier life working for a company, enjoying stability, lower stress levels, work-life balance, etc. Founding a startup can quite literally ruin their life. And I think I agree with that. I think that like being early and being a founder is not for most people. I, I mean... I feel like, I mean, there's a reason why there's only usually one or two founders at each company or, you know, kind of early stage people. Um, I mean, it's tough. It's grind, right?
0: It is 100% a grind. And I think you just got to be clear that if you do it, you're going to get the value out of the process yeah. rather than the outcome. Like, I don't think that the upside that Noah's talking about there is a reality for most people i'd say yeah, it's like a, i kind of i agree mirage, I, the upside I would say
1: for most early stage startups is like way you know i mean if you're a founder obviously you're trying to convince people like hey yeah come join you might you know we'll be the next uber right yeah, so yeah, i get it from why sales. they're selling that vision but yeah i think much like on average right like the returns are going to be much better on average for like that google employee than you know startup people yeah i mean it's a great way to like or maybe on median i don't know about average if you've got one really outsized on median for sure average i'm not so sure yeah
0: i i I don't remember who said it but i was reading somewhere that it was like maybe the best uh strategy is work at big tech make a lot of money get the, the stock value and then do angel investing mm-hmm. as well uh basically you know diversify yourself that way uh but keep the you know high cash flow so yeah
1: Yeah. And I will say I'll give one more point to sort of working at the big companies because, you know, I used to be an aerospace engineer working for Boeing, like. 10 years ago. That was my last career. And we used to always have these crazy, you know, 5S, Standard Work, Kaizen, you know, all these, you know, red light, green light, all this different stuff. And I was like, this is the stupidest stuff I've ever seen, you know, for an engineer working in the office. And now over the past 10 years of running my own business, I kind of get like, oh, you want to have all these checklists so your employees don't mess all these things up. You know, it's (laughs) like, hey, follow this checklist so that, you know, you don't forget to tweet out the podcast or whatever it might be. So I kind of, I think some, there are uh, definitely some benefits to working at a large organization. And I think, you know, ultimately maybe implementing some of that, you know, if you go into a startup or a small company. So Noah, thank you for this tweet and uh, definitely check out his podcast. All right, we'll see what the people have to say about this solo episode <laughs> with Colin and Harry, no guest. Uh, I think our next episode, we will, we've got a lot of guests lined up, but this one, we had the opportunity to jump on you and I, so good work on.
0: Likewise, it was good chatting. Until next
1: time. Au revoir.